Good morning, everybody online and in person. I don't know about you, but I hate waking up. And uh, I know that for a lot of us during the pandemic, the church has become something quite nice because, well, not the people here, but everyone at home is still in their pajamas and drinking a cup of coffee. Uh, that's, that's really kind of a, a dream scenario for a lot of us. I hate waking up. I like, I like being awake. And I like being asleep. But it's that in-between time that's kind of difficult, right? That's the, that's the hard part. This is the moment when you're being pulled out of your slumber. My brain starts to recognize the alarm going off and uh, the not-so-gentle poking of my wife to turn off that alarm. Uh, my kids calling for me, my caffeine addiction kicking in, and I'm trying to catch my bearings, right? We're all sort of coming out of that grogginess, trying to catch our bearings. What day is it? What time is it? Do I have to go to work? Can I sleep in a bit? What do I have to do today? It's that moment, that moment that I want to focus on where your senses are awakening, taking in information so that you can begin a new day. Because for the last year and a half, we've been in sort of a pandemic slumber. We've been living, but it feels like we haven't been living at our full capacity, like uh, we haven't been 100%. I and mean, how many of you are just feeling really tired this month? We've been asking diff different people throughout the month, and the answer we hear is like, oh, I'm, I'm exhausted, oh, I'm tired, which is weird because we've been sitting at home for the past year and a half. You just feel blah. Maybe there's a haze. You feel like there's a haze in the air, and it's not from the California wildfires. But maybe it's because we're not fully awake. Maybe it's because we're feeling just this sort of spiritual life grogginess. And now, as we re-enter work, as we re-enter school and our classrooms and life in general, we're feeling this need to be reanimated, given a breath a new breath of life and direction. Maybe you've been through life-altering change in the past couple years, in the past year and a half. But as you step into the fall, you're not really sure what to do next. Today, we're starting a sermon series called Awaken the Senses. Awaken the Senses as we emerge from this pandemic slumber into the next phase of our lives. We're looking for direction. We're looking for guidance. We're looking for a way forward. How do we live now? What do we do? Where do we go? We know that we've been transformed over the last year and a half through all the different things that have happened to us, that God has used some extremely difficult events and some positive ones to renew and recreate who we are individually and as a church. And it's like we're in that moment of, of waking up from our evening sleep. We're, we're a bit disoriented as we rise, right? wiping the crust uh, from our eyes. And we need the input from all of our senses to help us discern where we are and what we're going to do next. And so we'll be exploring how God communicates through the senses through our human senses, in the Bible, in order to understand, to help us understand how the Holy Spirit is directing all of us right now. And I hope that this will give us direction for our individual lives and for our entire church family this fall. 
Now, I understand that all of us are on a spectrum with each of these senses. On one end of the spectrum, a person can be severely hard of hearing or deaf. On the other end of the spectrum, a person might be so sensitive that loud noises bring physical distress. And I want you to know, please know that none of these topics are meant to cause, or meant to, or intended to cause anybody harm or make anybody feel hurt. And I apologize if they do. The point of this journey, though, is not to highlight certain senses or abilities as better than, than others, but to take us deeper, to utilize the concept of these senses as doorways to discover how the Spirit might be speaking to all of us. The Bible is full of sensory language, and that language is meant to awaken us to all the ways God surrounds us, covers us with his call. And when God awakens our spiritual senses, we're better able to receive that call. And so this morning, as we begin our awakening, we start with vision.
In the Gospel of Mark, some people in Bethsaida bring a man, a blind man, and beg Jesus to touch him. And in this really strange move, which is only captured in Mark's account, Jesus spits on the eyes of the man. And I think I speak for all of us when I say that that sounds kind of gross. And in today's pandemic world, it's totally a health hazard, even if it's sacred saliva. But it works. Well, sort of. The man looks up and says, I see people. They look like trees walking around. I see people. They look like trees walking around. I think most of us can imagine what that might be like because that's actually what many of us experience when we wake up in the morning and we reach for our glasses. It's also what we might experience when you've been scrolling through Instagram for two hours. You can see, but things aren't in focus. This little story that Mark recalls is so strange. Not just because of Jesus spitting in a person's eyes, but because the first attempt at healing is incomplete. The story goes on to tell us that Jesus has to put his hands on the man's eyes a second time for his sight to be restored to the point where he could see everything clearly. You know, this is really a horrible Bible story. Who wants to follow a God with healing powers like this? Number one, that Jesus has to spit in your eyes to heal blindness. Can you imagine if this guy couldn't taste? Number two, okay, I'll let it sink in. You you want me to do it again? (laughs) Number one, he has to spit in your eyes. Can you imagine if this guy couldn't taste? Okay. Number two, number two, that this healing power is apparently only at 50% charge. I can see why maybe the other gospel narratives chose not to include this story. You know, kind of like, ah, don't tell that one. It's not really that great. Now, I think this is part of my struggle, even when preaching this passage, because how do you explain something like this? Because it doesn't make Jesus look very powerful or effective. Who wants to follow a God that comes in second place to LASIK surgery? Unless unless all of our assumptions are wrong. We assume that Jesus only has one choice of what to do when confronted with a blind person like this. That Jesus has to restore their full sight for there to be any value in this encounter. Our assumption is that there is only blindness or sight and nothing in between. Many of us live in this in-between space with some sort of partial sight. Whether it's because we're getting older, maybe it was because we were born this way, or, or an accident. Everyone wearing corrective lenses right now understands this. Even I get this, because for all my life, I've had red, green color blindness. There are shades of colors that I can't see or distinguish. And that's where I am on the visual spectrum. I see, but I don't see everything. Maybe Jesus brings this man's vision into the middle of the visual spectrum 
on purpose. Maybe there's a reason, a value in Jesus giving blurry vision. And if so, then even blurred vision is a gift from God. Now, this is hard for most of us to understand because we often think clarity is the best thing for us. Jesus himself, though, is one of the most blurry, enigmatic characters in Scripture. He's always teaching in parables, having to explain himself because nobody gets what he's saying. He can't even give a straight answer to a simple question before the chief priests. Are you the son of God? You say that I am. Jesus, just say yes or no. But maybe that's the point Jesus is trying to illustrate. None of us can see clearly who he is. At least not now. On this side of heaven, we can only know in part. As the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. We can't even see with clarity the truth and beauty of who Jesus is yet which is why I think we're called to have faith. The sense of vision in the Bible is often about faith and trust. That's why the Bible often contrasts a blind person with a person who should see but does not. It's not really about our physical eyes in the scriptures. It's about our heart. And so Paul says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The vision of our eyes is only a doorway. It's only a doorway that Jesus uses to take us deeper, to reveal that the vision he wants to give us resides in our heart and that this sense of vision is meant so that we can see and trust him.